And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Tonight's program is kind of going over the notes in preparation for conversation with our guests this evening. And it, and it seems as if there's going to be a running theme, a theme that helps us look beyond chaos and uncertainty and self-doubt and many of the tools that the enemy uses to try and discourage us, keep us down, prevent us from attaining all that God has in store for us. And I have to wonder, I'll kind of start with this question posed to you. Have you ever had an experience in life, perhaps as a young person, where maybe a parent or a frustrated teacher said to you, you're useless, you're stupid, you're lazy, you'll never amount to anything? If you've ever experienced or been on the receiving end of that kind of language, you know that it cuts like a knife to the very quick And some people that are repeatedly exposed to this kind of defeatist talk might eventually begin to live their life in a fashion that matches that. I mean, after all, if you tell your son and daughter as a child that they could someday grow up to be the head of an important corporation, the president of a nation, a great evangelist, a leader in the church— and you constantly reinforce those positive messages, there's a good likelihood that they're going to strive to achieve that kind of success, that sort of greatness in life. But conversely so, if the messaging that you receive is constant drone of downtroddenness and negativity, chances are you're going to not work very hard and probably in the end become a failure, because that's all you've been told you're ever going to be. My first guest tonight, contrary to the messages he received as a young boy, has turned out to be uh, (laughs) quite a huge success. He's pastored a church in Georgia, where when he first came on board, they had 80 people showing up to Sunday service. Now, more than 8,000 come together and worship as a part of that church community. He served as a chaplain for both the United States Senate and the House of Representatives. He is a doctor and the author of a new book called Defy the Odds, How God Can Use Your Past to Shape Your Future. Pastor Dr. Benny Tate, great to have you with us today. Brother Craig, it's an honor and privilege to be with you. I have uh, so been looking forward to being with you. Well, and we appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule to share some of your own pain, your own experience, and the fact that in many respects, your life has indeed defied the odds, contrary to the messages that you received as a young man. So take us back, if you would, kind of walk us through what was going on in your life, I understand, at the point at which you were conceived. It was not between a mother and a father, married as husband and wife, but sort of, and forgive the frankness here, Pastor Tate, but sort of the product of a one-night stand. And, and sadly, your mother seemingly was overwhelmed by everything that was going on in her life and sadly made a lot of very wrong choices. Well, she certainly did. I was, uh, you know, it was uh, just a, a not relationship. And I've often said, uh, 
for the Craig that there are accidental, accidental parents, but there are no accidental children. Uh, you know, I believe, and I believe God believes in the intrinsic faith of every life that life is special from the womb to the tomb. But uh, my mother did. She had two children. She had no, uh, no fathers that would take responsibility. And through a chain of events, I was raised by a stepfather. And just as you was talking, my stepfather told me that I was ignorant. He told me I was stupid. He told me I would never amount to anything. As a matter of fact, he would often say to me, you're illegitimate. But uh, but he didn't use that word. I was on a Life Today the other, the other day with James Robinson, and I said that he would say I was illegitimate. And James looked at me, and he said, Benny, that's not what he said to you. Mm-hmm. He said he, he kept calling you the B word, didn't he? I said, yes, he kept calling me the B word. And uh, that was the that was the environment that I was brought up in, and you just heard that over and over and over. And we have a tendency and propensity to start believing that. And there came a day, uh, Craig, that my mother said, "We're going to the doctor," and my siblings were going for physicals. And she told me I was going for a physical, but I was not going for a physical. I was going for a mental evaluation because I just couldn't learn. I couldn't comprehend. And the reason why I couldn't comprehend, I was told over and over and over, you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. And what I would say to every person listening right now is, death and life's in the power of the tongue. You know, words are powerful. Words are powerful. If you don't believe that words are powerful, this world that we live in was created. It was actually spoken into existence. And uh, words created our world. And words can create people's worlds, whether that be good or whether that be bad. And so my world just wasn't good. Uh, it just wasn't good because what I was constantly told over and over and over. So that was that was the early years. That was the that was probably the first fifteen years of my life. I lived in that that physical abuse, that mental abuse, that emotional abuse, over and over and over. So. Uh, I can relate to that person that's heard over and over and over uh, derogatory comments. And I'm so glad that you bring this up and you're willing to share with great candor that part of your early childhood, because so often, and especially today, there seems to be a propensity towards dismissing words, don't take them seriously, don't let it get to you. Even as kids, you know, we were told things like, what was the nursery rhyme? Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And, you know, that maybe looks good on paper, but in reality, words do matter. Our testimony matters. And as you point out, The very creation of the world began with words. The one lasting legacy that God has given to each and every one of us in a marvelous handbook for life is all about words. And so to suggest that somehow we can say words without having any harmful impact or negative impact is just not true. And I would imagine, particularly for a young boy, it leaves an imprint not only on the on the psyche, but an imprint on the heart, too, doesn't it? Well, it definitely does. And when you, you know, you really, when your father, you know, your biological father abandoned you and you had no one really to turn to and you have this authority figure in your life, constantly telling you that you will never amount to anything, you're useless, you're stupid, 
you know, uh, just uh, it, it, it was very harmful. So I, I can certainly, I can certainly relate. You know, my my passion for help, helping people comes out of my pain. Many times, your passion will come out of your pain. That God wants to use that that pain. You know, I, I've learned that your pain can be somebody else's gain if you will just allow it. And, you know, that's so important because oftentimes people look at their negative experiences and feel as if it becomes a hindrance. It's almost um, predictive or suggestive that if they've come from a difficult past, that that necessarily goes to say that they will continue to have a difficult future, that if they amounted, quote unquote, to nothing as a child, they will most assuredly amount to nothing as an adult. And so there is that cycle there. And the important thing is to discover what we can do to break that cycle of lies that are being promoted by the devil himself and how to move beyond those sets of circumstances, how to, in a very real sense, defy the odds. That is the title of a new book written by my guest this evening. It's called Defy the Odds, How God Can Use Your Past to shape your future. We're going to talk a bit about how to go about seeing God defy the odds in your own very life to break that cycle of negativity and to do something incredible in your life moving forward. And we'll do that as our conversation with Pastor Dr. Benny Tate continues on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back with Pastor Dr. Benny Tate. He's senior pastor of Rock Springs Church in Milner, Georgia, author of a new book just released by our friends at Harvest House. It's called Defy the Odds, How God Can Use Your Past to Shape Your Future. And Pastor Benny, I mentioned before the break that there oftentimes tends to be this this cycle that people get stuck in. They, they're exposed to all of this negativity as a child. It weakens their, their desire, their motivation to try and break free of that negativity, to try and be successful at whatever it, it is that God has called them to. And so they kind of buy into the lie and as a result get stuck in this cycle that oftentimes leads to an extremely hurtful, disappointing, and unproductive life. How does one break that cycle of negativity? How did you escape well, that negativity well, that you've been exposed to for so long as a young boy? Well, you know, you alluded to the fact that, Craig, people believe the lies. So if people believe the lies, the only thing that's going to set us free is the truth and the knowledge of the truth. And my uh, mother actually reached an all-time low in her life. She decided that life wasn't worth living and decided to end her life. She got in her vehicle and drove 30 miles to her first cousin's house with a pistol in her pocketbook planning to end her life there so that I wouldn't find her. She knocked on the door of this first cousin that she had partied and caroused with and said, can I spend the night with you? And that first cousin said, yes, you can, but I want you to know I'm not the person that I used to be. I've given my life to Christ, and more than anything, you need to give your life to Christ. That night, my mother gave her life to Christ. The place where she was planning to end her life, her life began. The place where she thought it was going to end, it really just all started. So what I would say to that person, no matter how low you are, no matter how low you are, the truth will set you free. 
God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten, and you can begin again through Jesus Christ. You can defy the odds through God. Uh, just people, people have to realize that God is not against you, but God is for you. And with God being for you, you can accomplish anything because God's with us. One of the issues that strikes me, we talked about this earlier, this notion that words count, that words can either bring life or can bring disappointment, pain, learning how to tune out the negative words and get focused in on the positive, uplifting words, the motivating words, God's word. How does one go about doing that? Well, I think we've got to, we've got to quit listening to ourselves and we've got to start talking to ourselves see thoughts will enter our mind you can't you can't keep thoughts from entering somebody said uh, we can't keep the birds from flying over our head but we can keep them from nesting in our hair <laughs> thoughts will enter your mind but you have a choice of whether or not you entertain the thought so every thought that comes to your mind, the first question you've got to ask is, where is this thought coming from? Where is this thought coming from? You know, the Bible says those things that are true, those things that are honest, those things that are just, those things that are pure, those things that are lovely, those things that are of good report, think on these things. And so if, if it's those things, we know it's from God. But if it's thoughts of fear, if it's thoughts of negativity, if it's thoughts of dread, those thoughts are coming from the enemy. And we've got to rebuke those thoughts. And we've got to, as the scripture says, take those thoughts ca captivity because those thoughts are going to pull us down. The enemy knows to get into our head, and, and he's an expert at it, to be sure. And I think what you're, what you're very clearly suggesting here tonight, Pastor Tate, is the notion that um, it, it really depends largely with the kind of thoughts and, and influences, negative or positive, that we surround ourselves with as a very important and critical determining factor as to how our capacity to take every thought captive and, and how we, successful we can be at doing just that really teeters then on what we are intentionally exposing ourselves to. And so toward that end, I'm wondering for the believer listening tonight that says, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, and, and a lot of your story really resonates with me. I went through the same thing, and I've tried to take every thought captive. I've tried times of prayer. I've tried listening to Christian music, things of this sort. And yet, even in those moments when I'm really trying to focus on positivity, in comes some negative thought. And it tends to defeat me, first in my attitude and then ultimately in my actions, where I feel as if in the end, if my own, uh, you know, if my own thoughts, thoughts aren't my worst enemy and my own actions are. Breaking that cycle um, is undoubtedly one of the huge challenges for many people, folks that feel as if they, they can't get a break, that the universe is conspiring against them. It's working to destroy them. So walk us through, if you would, some of the critical steps where we can sort of move out of that comfortable place sometimes of, of playing the role of the victim and instead learn how to begin to change our mindset to become a victor. Well, what I would encourage the person, you know, there's so many things in life 
that we can't change. There's so many things in life that we can't control. But one thing that we can control is we can control our attitude. Abraham Lincoln said, we're just as happy as we make up our minds to be. We're just as happy. And what I've learned, it's easier to retain, it's easier to to maintain a good attitude than it is to regain a good attitude. And you know, a good attitude is just a habit of faults. And here's what somebody said, well, we, we, we need to tell ourselves good things. What I would say to that Christian, no, 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 you don't need to tell yourself good things. You need to tell yourself what God's Word says. Mm. You, need to tell, you need to tell yourself emphatically what God's Word says. God's Word says that He loves you. God's Word says that He's a good God. God's Word says that He is working all things for your good. It's kind of like, you know, Peter Peter stepped out on the water. If we, Those of the, the believers know that he stepped out on, you know, people will say, well, Peter stepped out on the water, but he really didn't step out on the water. He stepped out on the Word of God. Jesus told him to come. So he stepped out on God's Word. And as long as, long as he was focusing on Jesus, he was walking on the water. It's when he got his eyes on other things that he failed. And what I would say to that person, you can keep walking as long as you keep your eyes on Christ. Keep looking to Christ. Every time that I've ever been discouraged, disenchanted, dismayed, it's when I got my eyes on something or somebody or a situation other than Jesus Christ. So it's taking responsibility. It's taking responsibility and saying, hey, you know, I I have a choice. Uh, My attitude, my good thinking, it's not a chance. It's a choice. And I choose today. You know, you know, every morning when we get up, we can say, good morning, Lord. Or we can say, good Lord, it's morning. But the scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And our responsibility is to rejoice and be glad in it. And that is simply Roger a choice. And I'm glad you point that out because it's it's an important point to end our conversation on that as oftentimes we feel as if we are a victim of the actions and the words of other people. But the way in which we can break this cycle of victimhood is a choice, a decision that we have the ability and the power to make. I'm reminded of the passage in Second Timothy related to Scripture and keeping our eyes on Christ and reminding ourselves that when we're in God's Word, as Second Timothy 3 and 16 says, that every word in Scripture is breathed by very God himself, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, And I love this part, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This book walks you through the life journey, the life story of Pastor Benny Tate, who maybe like you has been there on the receiving end of all of the negative talk, all of that notion that you're useless, ignorant, stupid, never amount to anything. Maybe that's the talk that you were exposed to as a child. Maybe now you believe it so much you even talk that way to yourself. 
Time to end, as a pastor friend of mine used to say, time to end the stinking thinking and focus instead on positivity and God's word. Keep your eye on the prize. The book, I think, will be very encouraging to you. It's called Defy the Odds, How God Can Use Your Past to Shape Your Future. Newly published by Harvest House. You'll find it at Christian bookstores across the Bay Area, Amazon.com. You can also order it directly through Pastor Benny's website at Pastor Benny Tate, T-A-T-E, Pastor Benny Tate.com. God indeed has a plan for your life. Don't let the enemy rob you of it. Our thanks to Pastor Dr. Benny Tate for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Let me begin first, as much as we've talked about the negative talk and negativity that can impact your attitude, your thinking, and ultimately the enemy gets you and convinces you to buy into the negativity. So if you're told you're a loser, well, you're going to live up to your reputation and be a loser because you have no motivation to do otherwise. Now I want to shift gears for a moment and talk about the dynamic where things can happen in life that don't always go your way, but can be ways in which God used them as teaching moments, the difficult experiences that in many respects not only helps us draw closer to him, but ultimately gives us the capacity to discover more about our own potential for him and ways in which he can use our own pain, our own disappointment for the glory of himself and the sake of his kingdom. Now, let me give you an example. Here in April, beginning to see, those of you that are gardeners out there know that we're beginning to see the early cusp of the impact of spring. Roses are beginning to to bloom. I've got a front yard that is really looking nice right now. And if you see my yard in April and May, you'll go, wow, absolutely phenomenal. But if I invite you to come back long around late December, early January, you'll go, what happened? All of the beautiful roses are gone, and the rose bushes are nothing more than eight-inch twigs and sticks protruding from above the soil. Well, it's pruning, and every good gardener knows that when you prune in the dormant season in winter, it guarantees you a bumper crop come spring. Well, our relationship with God is a lot like that, that there are times in which he will prune us in order to cut off the dead wood, the unproductive parts of our lives, in order that through that experience, we might come back fuller and stronger and more abundant in everything that we touch and do. But what what exactly does that look like? Well, to offer us some deeper insights, we're joined today by Pastor host of the Brave Hearted Woman podcast, founder of Braveheart Mentor Coaching, and a multiple-time award-winning author, Pastor Don Damon joins us. And as always, Don, a delight to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Craig. It's great to be with you, too. I love the analogy of the pruning and your garden and your yard. That's exactly what God does with us. 
It indeed is true. And, and you know, I, I, undoubtedly, a lot of us ask the same question as my neighbors will uh, during late December or January. What happened? And so, you know, we go through these experiences in life, and certainly a lot of us collectively have been through it here uh, related to COVID and whatnot. Uh, it seems as if life is all about uh, turmoil, uncertainty, uh, and, and, of course, uh, inflation these days. But back behind all of that, God can indeed use these circumstances in our lives in very positive ways if we could only understand how he does that, when he is doing that, and be able to kind of harness that pruning experience that ultimately can then allow us to become more abundant in our own lives, like the pruning experience that my rose bushes go through every late <laughs> December that allows them to come back in full glory and then some every April and May. Well, absolutely. Um, God proves us not to minimize us, but to expand us. And we don't like it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. It feels unfair. Maybe we feel like we're being punished. But I do wonder how many times we are fighting against what God has ordained. Because, you know what? God is the gardener. Satan didn't get a hold of the pruning shears. He's not in charge here. Not every difficulty is the enemy. And you know, certainly we should push back on sickness and disease and addictions and bondage. Absolutely. But these hardships and trials, it's not always Satan. It's the gardener. And he's cutting things back, not to limit us, but to indeed to get us where we want to. I think about those rose bushes that you're talking about. Sometimes you're pruning them because they're doing wonderfully well. It isn't that something's wrong in our life. We go through pruning because we are bearing fruit. We're doing the right thing, but sometimes it's busyness. Or maybe we have a lack of focus. We have too many good things going on. And, and God knows that the energy is going to get sapped by unnecessary, you know, extra limbs. It's sucking the nutrients and the energy so that we don't really become spectacular. We just remain average. But God didn't send his son Jesus Christ to die for us so that we could live an average life and and then sometimes there are diseased buds in, in the rose bush analogy there are some toxic unhealthy harmful things that God wants to get out of our lives got some habits some relationships he says this is making you sick and then maybe there's just dead things just no value familiar but useless branches that that keep the sunlight from reaching the healthy buds and blocking oxygen. So pruning doesn't always feel good, but the result is amazing. And of course, in all of that, God is, as you point out, intending to remove from our lives the twigs, the dead wood, the unproductive parts um, mm -hmm. in order that we might become more productive. Um, I, I don't know if my rose bushes feel pain when I go at them with the shears, uh, but I know certainly from a human side, they're oftentimes in that pruning experience um, can be some pain 
but then trying to differentiate between productive pain versus negative pain or unproductive pain. Walk us through, how does the person know the difference? And, and I pose that question in particular because sometimes we're, we're suffering from pain that's self-inflicted. Yeah, that's for sure, absolutely. I remember hearing a distinction once that God will allow us to be hurt or feel hurt, but he doesn't allow us to be harmed by his work in our life. So his work in our life, yes, we might be disappointed. We might feel some sadness. We might feel some loss or some grieving, but it is not harmful to us. It is not counterproductive. It does not damage our spirit or crush our soul. But indeed, it builds character. It gives us wisdom, makes us strong, successful, wealthy, perhaps prosperous, keeps us from settling for second best. If, if God didn't prune me, I might not recognize that this isn't where I'm supposed to be. He's nudging me on and pushing me ahead because he wants me to increase. And I didn't ask the question, what should I remove? from my life or what should I improve or what should I reduce so that pruning gets me to hit my knees in a prayer in a communion with God that otherwise I wouldn't be and I think um, Craig that we we use discernment in these seasons again the pruning of God does not crush us or harm us and there's a sense that even though I'm hurting I'm in a cutback season I have a peace that God is the one in control, and um, that discernment tells me that I'm not in warfare. I'm, I'm not. This isn't Satan. Satan doesn't have the authority to do this in my life. But I'm trusting that this pruning is going to be bring more fruit, more results, more increase. If I don't get bitter, if I don't grumble, if I if I don't slap off and. You talked about the mindset a moment ago and those negative thoughts. I heard today in an interview that I was doing that when we actually say, Jesus loves me, and we speak words of affirmation that our T-cell blood count goes up, that speaking praise in the name of Jesus, they can see it. Science shows that it brings health and healing to our mind and our body. So we got to trust him and praise him in the prunings. Absolutely. And the point that you make there, I, I want to underscore, because there are not only very clear spiritual dynamics to it, but there are also very clear physiological dynamics to it. And, and we've seen this uh, borne out repeatedly, research done by scientists that just simply look at um, not only what people expose them to in terms of uh, positivity or negativity, for example, if it's a person mm -hmm. who is constantly watching movies about war and, you know, devours all of the negative six o'clock news, which these days seems to be nothing but negativity. And, and so as a yeah. result, that constant in take of violence, of issues that are not only depressing, but 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 tend to tend to drive a, a negative thought process as well. 
that's played out not only in our attitudes, but physiologically it's played out in our bodies. So if all of that negativity is not good for us, how do we go about concentrating more on positive things and, and most importantly, understand the difference when something happens in life that is just, well, part of living and, and the times when God uses those events, especially so when we give him permission to so, that can be yeah. teaching moments. And Don, I apologize. Have you got a couple of more minutes? I sure do. I want to ask you to stay with us because I don't want to cut this conversation too short. We're getting into some good meat here. And so uh, let's do this. We're going to get caught up on a couple of things and we're going to come right back to more of our discussion. Pastor Don Damon is with us, um, multiple times best-selling author. And uh, we're talking today about this sense of learning how pruning in our lives can be a way in which God is bettering us, and much like pruning is good for a plant to be healthy and strong, uh, pruning can be good for us too. Now, we also have to be cautious in terms of how we respond to the pruning, and so we're going to spend some time talking about that coming up next. Pastor Don Damon and our conversation continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The Bravehearted Woman podcast. You can get more information again at her website, dawndamon.com, D-A-W-N-D-A-M-O-N. We're talking today about pruning, and at least you think you've tuned in to the Lifeline Gardening Show. (laughs) Uh, It's more of a spiritual nature, and uh, that's the point that we're making, but there are indeed comparisons, both in real life and in Scripture. Uh, I guess for some, Don, the the challenge is knowing the difference. We all know that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sometimes things happen in life that just happen in life. But there are ways in which, as Scripture reminds us, God can use what the enemy intends for evil for our good and for the benefit and sake of his kingdom. I guess the question that some people are are wrestling with is, okay, well, how do I know the difference? And and when I'm dealing with something in life that really feels like God's taken out a really big pair, a super industrial-sized pair of shears and is pruning away at me, um, I'm, I'm smarting, I'm hurting, so how do I see the good in this? How do I ascertain ways in which in those moments God is actually like the the potter molding the clay, molding my life? Yes, that's the faith walk. You know, asking God to give you unveiled eyes that you might see and know that he is at work. So this is the trust walk. I can trust him. God has the pruning shears. He knows where to prune. He knows how to prune. You you talked about your yard. You know, I I pruned a lilac tree once that never came back to life. (laughs) I killed it. And, you know, this is dangerous. The pruning shears in the wrong hands are dangerous, but God is the right hands. And so as we stay in faith, recognizing even that it is somewhat of a test, Will we abide in him? Will we remain in him? Will we complain and become critical and depressed? Or will we continue to stand in faith? And then the fruit begins to appear. 
because the pruning season is a season. It lasts for a time. It's not forever. Just think about the, the scripture in Hebrews where Jesus endured the pain, endured the pain of the cross because of the joy set before him. There was joy coming. He was in a cutback, a cut down season, but he knew he was coming back. And so we can go through these difficulties in life. I believe that our attitude and our outlook on what's happening is everything. Stay in faith. Prayer is warfare, too. So if it is the enemy and you're submitting and surrendering to God and you're praying, you're beating, the, you're beating back the powers of darkness. You're going to come out of that test. If it's God pruning, you're going to come out and you're going to be blooming with even more fulfillment and more fruit in our lives. And that's, that's how I see it. That's how I've seen it happen so many different times. I have friends who... Um, were pastoring a church and they saw some things that they didn't think were right and they were nervous about what to do and they stood on their integrity and they lost the church. The leaders of, the, of that church, they ended up getting pruned. They, they lost their church because they opened up their mouth and spoke. A few years later, they planted a new church in a city that they loved it's three times as big as the small church in the little rural town that they were in. And I say, you know what? God took some toxicity out of your life. He pruned that. You thought you were in your dream job and you were going to settle there. But God said, no, this is not it. It's like Abraham settling, you know, and God said, no, you've got to get to the promised land. There's still more for you to do. And so we have to stay. I know I'm preaching now, but we got to stay in faith, Craig. we got to release those words from our mouth of praise and thanksgiving and trust that God is in control. He's got the shears, and, not and, the wrong hand. And I want to, you know, amplify by, you know, what do they say, you know, uh, underline, bold, italicize what you just said. Two <laughs> thoughts come to mind. First, Psalm 30, weeping may endure for a night, mm-hmm. but joy cometh in the morning, that that, that moment of painting, that moment of pruning is only for a time, only for a season, but there's something good ahead. Mm-hmm. The other thought, yes. and it's interesting because once again, I'm going to, and again, my apologies to listeners, but I, I go back to comments by neighbors who walked by my house, and if they happen, they catch me out front. What happened to your beautiful, oh, I remember you had all these gorgeous roses, and now they're just sticks mm-hmm. and twigs. And my answer is always a stock answer. This is what it looks like now, but trust me, come back in April or May, and you will see the difference. And, I, and maybe there, therein lies the message that God is saying to us, that the pain you were experiencing right now is only temporary. But trust me, because as much as I can say with confidence, because I've been doing this from ye- for years and I learned from a master gardener, my grandmother, mm-hmm. how, how to raise roses, I, didn't, I, I have an allergy that just is crazy, so keeping a lawn in the front yard doesn't work for me. I tore out all the front lawn. I told my grandmother I'm going to pave the whole front yard. She said, don't do that. Put roses in. I said, I can't do it. It's too much work. She says, I'll show you what to do. And now I've learned through years of experience in all of these multiple cycles that I can say with great confidence to my neighbor who's lamenting the condition of my yard in January, trust me, trust me and watch and see. 
And I guess God essentially is saying the same thing to us during those moments of pain and pruning that we feel as if nothing good can come from this. Isn't God essentially saying to us through his word, trust me, because the point will come when we have abandoned this moment of pain, the pain of the evening, the joy that comes in the morning, that joy that is everlasting. Am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. We have to outlast the temporary. This tea shall pass. Outlast the temporary. Endure the season because beauty is coming. Beauty is on the way. He said all things in Ecclesiastes. He makes everything beautiful in his time. So that's exactly right. And don't get into what if your neighbor said to you, oh, my goodness, what did you do? And then you said, oh, no, I, I, I don't know. I guess I thought I knew what I was doing. So you don't want to get into doubt and fear and unbelief. Take your stand and say, yes, I know that this is going to be beautiful in its time. And God's plan is always to prune back the dead wood, the dead growth, the unproductive Mm -hmm. parts of your life in order that you might grow back stronger and give much fruit or tremendous roses in the case of our example today. (laughs) Dawn Damon, we appreciate the time and uh, the tutelage here in walking us through these important aspects of learning life, learning more about our relationship with God. And as he is the master gardener, if we surrender to him and allow him to do the pruning in our own lives, even though in the moment it might seem painful and the neighbors that say, what are you doing? If we put our trust in him, God will bring forth much fruit and an abundance of healthy, vibrant growth. As much as the neighbors walk by my yard come April and May and say, wow, just spectacular. And I always say, don't give me credit. All I do is do a little little cutting and a little bit of watering, but God is the one that gives the increase and he will equally do the same in your life. Pastor Don Damon on the web at dondamon.com, D-A-W-N-D-A-M-O-N, dondamon.com. God bless you. We appreciate the time and the insights. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.